The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. All right, take your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 1. Let's, let's read together before we pray. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the Beloved." in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for the truth that we have in your word. We're We're so thankful, Lord, that we live in a nation where we have the freedom to worship you, the freedom to believe uh, and to live our life according to the principles of your word. And Father, America has many issues and many problems, but we still thank you for providing us a place uh, where we have such liberties and freedoms. Thank you for all who have come together this morning. I pray that that their time would not be wasted. I pray that you teach us today through your Holy Spirit. And that all that we say and do would glorify you. Thank you, Father, for these things. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the passage we just read, at least three times, it talked about the purposes of God. And when we talk about the grace of God, uh, certainly there's many things to, to discuss. When I, I, I actually conducted this study, it was, oh goodness, it was probably, um, what are we, 2014? It was probably nine years ago. I taught this when I was the, the, the youth leader here. I taught this to the teenagers. And I was actually on a, on a vacation one summer, and I, was, I spent a little time with my brother. And my brother bought me a, bo- a book, and he gave me a book on the grace of God. And I started reading that book, and, and it, it led me into a study of the grace of God. And I was just astounded when I started, because it took me over a year uh, in lesson, worth of lessons to talk about the grace of God. And, uh, and I, I feel like I just scratched the surface, really. Uh, every Sunday morning, we talked about the grace of God to our teenagers. And, and I, just, I just never could get to the end of that study because there's no end to the grace of God. Uh, 
It's, it's so marvelous. It's, it's deeper than we could ever imagine. It entails more than we even think about. But we are looking at the grace of God, and for the last several uh, weeks and couple of months now, actually, I've been, talking, I've been trying to describe grace. Uh, we said that grace is great, the grace of God, great, and grace is sovereign, and grace is rich, grace is exceeding, it's manifold, it's all-sufficient, it's abundant. We talked about that last time we, we met, about three weeks ago. And now today I want to look at the next, uh, the next uh, description, and that is grace is glorious. Grace, God's grace is, is glorious. Notice carefully uh, with me verse 6, the phrase we see there, to the praise of the glory of his grace. Now, we, we all, of course, know that God is glorious. But God's grace here, Paul says, to the praise of the glory of his grace. Grace is, is glorious. Now, the context of this passage of Scripture is clearly concerning our adoption. If you, if you look at the entire section I read this morning, verses 1 through 12, that entire section is talking about one primary thing, and that is our adoption. Our adoption into the family of God. It's clearly referring to salvation through Christ. Uh, so before I, before I go too much further this morning, I think that there's three facts. There's three facts concerning God's grace that we have to bring out if we're going to properly understand the context of what Paul is writing here. So fact number one is this. That our adoption was according to the will of God. Our adoption was according to the will of God. In verse 4, if you look at me, look with me at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. Paul states, according as he, and that he there, of course, is God. According as he hath chosen us in him. Him being Jesus Christ, before the foundation of the world. Now that's an interesting statement, isn't it? He chose us, God chose us in Christ, before the foundation of the world. Before God began creation, he already knew you, and he already knew me, And he already identified us as his children. He already already set in his heart and mind to adopt us, to, to redeem us. Now, many will argue against that fact. But you just read the same verse I read, right? Is there any other way to read that verse? I mean, I was I was amazed when I saw this. You know, I grew up in a religious home wasn't a wasn't a christian home although they they're from oh i'm, I'm just gonna say it the roman catholic i grew up in a roman catholic home they consider themselves christians but they're not christians but i grew up in a very religious home but when i when i first began to hear the truths of the gospel i was dumbfounded as to how little i had ever heard for instance, when someone first told me Jesus is coming again, I said, say what? 
What, what, what are you talking about? He's coming again. Yeah, he's coming again. Show me that in the scripture. And they did. And I was, I was flabbergasted. And, and when I came across verses like this, I was, I was dumbfounded. God knew me. He, he, he purposed in his heart to redeem me before he even created the world. You realize some people might say, well, how is that possible? You realize God is not bound by time. God sees, the Bible says, God sees the end of our past from the beginning. And God is, is not bound by time as we are. And, and God knows all things. He's, he's, he's om, omniscient. He, he knows everything. Matter of fact, everything, everything, everything happens according to his will. So we see that, that we were adopted. We were, God purposed in his heart before he ever created anything that you and I would be his children. And this is a truth that was confirmed by Jesus himself. In John chapter 15 and verse 16, Jesus states, Ye have not, now listen to this carefully. You might even want to turn to it. Let's turn to it. John 15 and verse 16. Jesus said, Ye have not chosen me. Now again, a lot of people want to try to misread that, but how else can you read this? Especially since the context of this passage of scripture is dealing with, with the salvation of the believer. Jesus says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit. We're going we're to come back to that. And that your fruit should remain, that whosoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Now there are certain there are certain branches of, of Christianity today when they see fruit in the Bible, they always think it's talking about uh, the lost, people being saved, the fruit. But that's not what this is talking about. In the context of John chapter 15, Jesus is talking about the life of the believer. And what he's saying is, the fruit he's talking about is our righteous works. He's talking about our Christian life. Our walk. He says he's ordained us that we should have a fruitful life and that the fruit of our life should remain. In other words, that we're not going to quit living those fruitful, holy, righteous lives. He's given us the, uh, he's enabled us and given us the power necessary to walk daily in his, to his glory. That's why people who walk carelessly and people who claim to be children of God but abide in sin regularly and and, and have no conscience or feel no remorse in, in sinful works. I, don't, I, I have to question those people's sincerity. Because Jesus said that he chose us and that he ordained us to have fruitful lives. That's why it's so wrong for a Christian to be where they shouldn't be, do what they shouldn't do, be with who they shouldn't be with. Because it, it does not fulfill God's purpose in our lives. Jesus confirmed this. It is, it is by this will, by the will of the Father, that we become children of God. In John chapter 1, we all know these verses well. John chapter 1, verses 11 through 13. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Now that's talking about Israel. He came to Israel as, as Israel's Messiah and Israel rejected him. 
came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh. So salvation doesn't come by being born into, by being born to, to saved parents. Just because a child is born to a saved mom and dad doesn't necessarily mean that child is going to be saved. Okay? Not by, the, not by blood, not by the, nor by the will of the flesh. So I didn't come to a point in my life where I, apart from the, the, the effectual work of God, came to a realization that I needed a Savior, <clears throat> nor of the will of man. <clears throat> I can pray for another person, but I can't affect their salvation. It says, but of God. By the will of God. So our adoption, fact number one this morning, we can try to paint that any kind of way we want to. But when we're going to talk about the grace of God, first thing, fact number one, is that our adoption, our salvation, our grace was according to the will of God. Now, why is that so important? I've had young people say, Mr. Archer, why is it so important I understand that? Because if you don't understand that, you're going to begin to think a little bit more of yourself than you ought to think. You're going to get proud in your heart. You're going to think that there was something special about you because God chose you. But there was nothing... Listen, there was nothing lovable about me. Many people would say there still isn't. There was nothing special in me. I, I had no special gift. No, I possessed no special power that God needed. For whatever reason, and I won't fully understand or know until I see his face, and he, he, then I'm not even going to have to ask him because when I look into his eyes, I'll have perfect wisdom. And I'll understand all things. And then I'll understand all of the intricate parts of election that we don't understand that causes people to reject it. But I do know that it was according to his will that I'm a child of God. Praise the Lord for it. Praise the Lord for that. So fact number one, our adoption was according to the will of God. Fact number two, our adoption was according to his pleasure. Our adoption was according to his pleasure, to the pleasure of God. Back in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5, we read, Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. According to, it says, the pleasure, the good pleasure of his will. It pleased God. To redeem us. Again, I don't know why us, but it, did, it was according to his pleasure. It is of interest to note that everything that God does is according to his own pleasure. Everything. In Psalm 115, verses 1 through 3, we read, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory, for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Everything that God does is 
according to his will and according to his pleasure. Now again, in our finite human minds, we cannot fully understand this. I mean, if we stop and think that, well, God does everything according to his pleasure, so anything that happens, God allows to happen, and he takes pleasure in it. Well, I would, I would take issue with that statement, because I don't, I don't necessarily think that everything that God allows to happen is according to his pleasure, but it is according to his will. But everything that God effectually does is according to his pleasure. Do you understand what I just said? I said not necessarily everything that God allows to happen is according to his pleasure, but it is according to his will and his purpose. But everything that God effectually does is according to his pleasure. People have come to me, matter of fact, we had a little boy in our school a couple of years ago. And his mother was, was uh, expecting another child. And uh, things went wrong, and the child died. And the father of that child, who claims to be a believer, became very bitter with God. And, and the family asked me to go talk to him, and I did. And he said, I could never love a God who would kill my child. And I sat him down, and I told him, I said, John, God didn't kill your child. Sin killed your child. Sin brought death into this world. And death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. But I told him, said, John, God had a purpose in what he allowed to happen. I don't know what it is. You don't know what it is. We'll never understand it. We don't have the ability to comprehend it. But there was something, there was a reason why God did what he allowed to happen, what happened there. It was according to his will. It was according to his pleasure. We need to know that. I told him, I said, you will see that child again. I shared with him the story of David and, and, and the child of Bathsheba. I said, you will see that child again. You will rejoice in heaven. And, and some weeks later, we found out that if that child had not been born when it was born, the mother would have died. Apparently, the umbilical cord had attached in the wrong place. And when she would have given birth... The mother would have bled to death before they could do anything to help her. And the child probably wouldn't have survived either. And he came back to me and he tearfully told me, he said, I, I think I see now what you were talking about. Listen, everything God does is according to his pleasure. God doesn't take, God doesn't take pleasure in horrible things, but he allows them to happen because they're according to his will and according to, according to his purpose. Do you understand that? You understand what I'm talking about? And it was according to God's great pleasure to redeem you. It was, it was in his purpose and in his will, and he took great pleasure in redeeming you. And we need to understand that. It's nothing special about us. It's all about him. It's all to his glory. It's all in his wisdom. It's all in his will. I read some, some um, commentary notes by John Gill, a great Baptist theologian from the mid-1700s, and he writes, He had done whatsoever he pleased in creation, in providence, and in grace. He hath made what creatures he pleased, and for his pleasure, and he does according to his will, and after the counsel of it, 
in heaven and in earth, and is gracious to whom he will be gracious, saves and called men, not according to their works, but according to his own purpose and will, whose counsel shall stand, and he will do all his pleasure. He is the most high God, a sovereign being, and all that he wills are possible to him and easily done by him. And God's grace is according to his own pleasure. It pleased God to redeem you and I and adopt us into his family. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, we read, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. And we must remember that our adoption came by God's desire and by his design. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21, we read, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So our, our salvation is our, 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 the grace that we have, our adoption into the family of God is according to God's pleasure, to his own pleasure. And then fact number three, our adoption is unto the purpose of God. It's according to his purpose. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11, we read, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. So grace came to us according to the will of God. It was God's will that, that, that he redeem a people unto himself. He chose us. Jesus told us, you did not choose me, I chose you. And we know from scripture that God chose us before the foundation of the world. So it was always in God's heart, always in his will, always in his plan to redeem a, a people unto himself. And, and, and we are a part of that. It was according to his will. It was according to his pleasure. Uh, God does what pleases him to do. Um, you're sovereign in your own home, right? Well, married men think they're sovereign, but their wives are really sovereign. But that's, that's for another day. But we're sovereign in our own home, and we do the things in our home that we please. It, things that, that we find pleasurable are the things that we do. So why is it unfair that God should take pleasure in the things that he does? And then, of course, our adoption, number three, is according to the purpose of God. Uh, Paul wrote in Ephesians, according to the purpose of him who worketh. Uh, it's according to God's purpose that we were saved. Now, according to Paul, our adoption was with a specific purpose in mind. In other words, God saved us for a reason. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called, according to his purpose. So everything happens in our lives according to, to God's purpose. 
if we stray off course, if we if we resist the, the leading of God and we stray off and, and go in a place we shouldn't go, then God will work the, the details out in our life and, and the details will work out according to his purpose. How many of you have GPA in your car? GPS, GPS in your car, GPA. <laughs> yeah, GPS, right? What happens if you take a wrong turn? Huh? It reroutes, right? It recalculates. And uh, if, if it's like mine, it says, please take a U-turn when safely able. <laughs> and, uh, or it'll tell you, you know, it'll, it'll adjust your route, right? To get you back on, on the right course. And that's exactly what God does to us when we stray off course. We stray and we do what we shouldn't do, that God's going to take us to in a new direction. And usually that new direction will have lessons for us to learn so that once we get back on the right course, we don't do that again. Okay? So it's according to his purpose. And, and maybe, maybe it wasn't God's, necessarily wasn't God's intention for me to take that tangent. I did that out of my own stubbornness. I did that out of my own rebellion. And... I took, that, I took that wrong turn, made that wrong choice, made that wrong decision. So God now has to bring me back where he wants me to be, and he will do that, by the way. Uh, maybe quickly, it depends on how stubborn you are. Maybe quickly, maybe long term, I don't know. But he, he does things according to his own purpose. That's what Romans 8.28 is saying. All things work out together in the life of a believer all the things all all the mistakes all the turmoils all the all the wrong turns all those things tend to eventually will work out according to God's purpose and we will be remember we said earlier Jesus ordained us what he ordained us unto good works he ordained us unto unto fruits and 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 that's that's the purpose in our lives God God intends us to live a life that glorifies and honors him and he will, he will work things out in, in our lives. You understand, we're not without hope. Not only, are we, not only do we have hope of eternal life, but we also have hope in this life that we have the providence of God. And we have the watch care of God. And when we do make mistakes, and this is a good lesson for parents to learn, when your children do make mistakes, correct them, yes. But your ultimate goal is to get them back where they ought to be. Let them, you know, don't, don't let them make foolish mistakes, but they're going to make mistakes. Right? How many of you understand and realize people are going to make mistakes? How many of you understand and realize people are going to make more mistakes than, than getting things right? <laughs> I, told, I told a parent once, I told a parent one time, teach your children how to handle failure because they're going to handle that more often than they handle success. And, and children who don't know how to handle failure tend to fall apart. Where children who have been taught how to handle failure pick themselves up and get back in there and, 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 and fix things, straighten them out. Our redemption was in the time, place, and circumstances appointed by God. I often thought about that. My, why did God wait until I was 24 years old to save me? Why didn't he save me when I was younger? I, never I, don't, I don't really know why. I don't really understand why. I mean, I was never an overly rebellious 
kid. I was never a wicked kid. I was never an evil kid. I wasn't an alcoholic. I didn't do, I didn't do drugs and things like that. But, but you know what? I got saved exactly in the place and time and circumstances that God wanted me to get saved. And, and everything happens according to the purpose of God. It was all according to his sovereign will in accordance with his good pleasure and unto his divine purpose. And we all know that God's will and purposes cannot be thwarted by sinful men. In Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11 we read, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. God's will shall be done. God's word, he said, does not come back to him void. What God purposes, what God declares, shall be. And I'm amazed at foolish men who think they can battle God. You know, unsaved men think they're getting away with things, don't they? I mean, you look at, the, you look at, the, at those who, who openly hate God... And they, they, they stand there and say, well, God's, if there's a God, let him strike me now. Well, you know what? God isn't a fool. And God is saying, don't worry. The lightning's coming. Reminds me of a story I once heard, but an atheist was preaching away and he was challenging God and defying God. There was a Christian in the audience who, for lack of a better term, would say he was a special person. And all of a sudden, the crowd heard a noise and saw to the side of the preacher a young man running with a football helmet on. And he took this preacher out right at, right at the knees and knocked him on the ground. And he stood up and said, God's busy, mister. So the world is going to challenge God. They are. They're going to defy him. And it may seem like God isn't there. But the Lord is patient. He's long-suffering. And the, the word shall not leave his mouth and come back void. It will, it will accomplish what he intends for it to accomplish. And God has already set, he's already set the time and the, and the conditions for, for Christ to come and gather the church. He's already set the time and the conditions for his return upon this earth and his wrath upon men. And it's going to happen according to his time. And he's not going to react to foolish men. But his purposes will be accomplished. As it pertains to the grace of God, the purpose, I believe, is to bring glory to his name. Allow me to quote from John Gill once again. We read, the glory of God is the supreme M of all he does. And the glory of his grace and not his power are other perfections of his, and the manifestive glory of that is here intended. Yea, the praise of that glory. And this end is answered when the children of God ascribe their adoption to the free grace of God, and when they admire it and are thankful for it and work worthy of the relation they are brought into. See, God, God redeems us, his people, so that we can go forth and sing the praises of his glory. 
It's our, it's our, our duty as believers to proclaim God's grace. It's our, glory, it's our duty as, as God's children to, to go forth and glorify him by all that we do. I mean, on the job. Do people, do people where you work know you're a Christian? If they don't, you should make that known to them. And I'm not saying do anything foolish to, to lose your job, but people ought to know. People at where I work, people know I'm a, I'm a believer. And everything I do, I do to the glory of God. I try to behave myself. I try to conduct myself on a daily basis in a way that God is honored and not shamed. I find people at work apologizing to me if they say something off color or out of, out of line. They say, I'm, I'm sorry. I say, I give the glory to God. When something good at work happens to me and management comes to me and says, good job. I say, well, I praise the Lord for what, he, what he's done for me, how he's prospered me. And they back away from that, man. Do we glorify God by, by our life? And you know, I'm not going to hammer this too hard. I'm almost out of time. But do we glorify God by the things we put on a public social network? I've had Christians come up to me and say, Oh, Mr. Dabshire, you ought to see this movie. Be a great man. Now, it does have a few curse words in it. But you ought to go see it. I said, No, thank you. You see, we've become desensitized as God's people, and we think a little bit sin's okay. But it dishonors the Father, doesn't it? It dishonors. I try to, I try to conduct my life in a way that honors my, my earthly father. I've had people come up to me and say, what kind of man was your father like? Well, I'd like for them to know that by, by what kind of man I'm like. See, I'd like for people to look at me and be able to assess what kind of father I had by what they see in me. And that's the way we should conduct our lives so that our Heavenly Father, people have a good concept of what God is by what they see in you. And and by the way, guess what? They will. They will. They will develop an opinion of God based upon what they see in you. So we have a responsibility, don't we? We have a responsibility. By the way, not only will your friends and co-workers do that, your children will do that too. You hear me? You can stand there and lecture to your kids all day long. They're going, they're going to develop their opinion of God by what they see in you. By what they see you do when, when you think nobody else is, is watching. So that's our, that's our responsibility. And God's purpose in us is to bring glory to himself. So let me ask you this morning, are we fulfilling the purpose of God in our lives? Are we glorifying the Father? Now, I'm not judging anyone because I'm going to tell you, I I fail just as often as anybody else does. But we're to so examine ourselves and so look at ourselves so so that we are doing what God wants us to do, glorifying him. And I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm just talking about living a life that God would be pleased with. Well done. I want to stand before him one day and hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant.
And, and, and I'm, I'm not perfect. I don't profess to be perfect. I, f- I feel like Paul does. I'm the chiefest of sinners. But, you know, the purpose in, in what we do here is to build, is to build each other up, right? So let's, let's take these things that, that God has given us today from his word. And let's use them in our personal walk. And let's glorify God by all that we say and do. All right. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronan Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.